recap, the past couple weeks, we've been in a worship series. Um, the first week, we talked about what worship was. The second week, what did, we, what did Isaac talk about last week? Does anybody know? Do you remember? Last week, I want to hear from a youth kid. What did we talk about last week? What did Isaac preach on? Huh? 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 Anybody? Wow, guys, that was a hard message last week, and you didn't remember it? <laughs> yeah, think about, think about all of the sweet things he was not going to do to Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, he is not going to cheat. Good husband right there. Anybody? Like, she gave you a big hint. What, what did Isaac preach on last week? He did talk about worship, but what about worship? All right, well, since I, you got nothing, uh, Elena? Valerie? Yeah, so essentially he talked about we all worship something. And, you know, if you're not going to worship God, you'll worship something else. That could be friends, that can be family, it can be social media and other things. So kind of talked about what do, like, what is your heart worshiping? What is your heart postured towards? What are, like, you positioned towards? Like, that's what Isaac brought out, and it was an amazing message, by the way, Isaac. So, bringing us to this week, this is the final week of our worship series, and I'm really excited tonight to bring the word because it's something I am extremely, extremely passionate about. Um, so, have you guys ever been in a situation where you feel like you've lost all hope, you're beyond yourself, you literally are just like, I can't do it anymore. This is frustrating. Yes? Yes? I think we've all been there a time or two, maybe three, four, ten, you know? <laughs> we, we've all been there. We've all had situations in our life that feel beyond hope sometimes. And tonight, I want to talk about worship as warfare. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about spiritual warfare tonight and using worship as a tool in your tool belt to use as a spiritual warfare weapon. So I'm going to get into that, but I want to pray before I begin. <laughs> so everybody bow your heads. We'll pray. Oh Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your goodness and for your kindness to us, that you are worthy to be praised. Lord, I thank you for what you want to say to everyone in the room tonight. I believe you have a word for each and every one of them. And I pray, God, for supernatural focus and supernatural attentiveness to what you want to say to them, God. Let our ears and our hearts be open. We just say, have your way through the rest of these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I asked you that story, like if you guys have had a situation where it has felt beyond all hope, I want to share before I begin one of mine with you. So I don't know if a lot of you guys really know this about me, but I had the amazing opportunity to travel overseas to do a missionary school over in Australia. Um, and if you have more questions about Australia, ask me later. So... Um, <laughs> That being said, in the middle of my school, we had a missions outreach that we went to go do, and my outreach that we went to was Cambodia, which is in Southeast Asia, and um, very, very different culture. It's a third world country, so they don't have a lot of things that are developed yet, you know, like 
You think about running water and showers and electricity in certain places and cleanliness is not like a thing. And, you know, um, one of the things they told us when we traveled over there was, be careful what you eat. So, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Watch what you eat because you could die from it. Great. <laughs> as a U.S. citizen and as a westernized person, it was really hard on our bodies to eat some of the things that they have over there because our bodies are not designed with what we eat to process some of their foods that they eat. So we had a translator and he was amazing showing us the ropes of what to do, what not to do, what to eat, what not to eat. If you eat this, it's good. If you eat this, make sure you do this and then it'll be good. Don't eat the ice because God forbid it has a bacterial infection on it. You know, like things like that where it's like, you really had to be careful. So um, second week into my missionary trip, I don't know what happened, but I got extremely ill, like super, super ill, you guys. And I was the only person on my team that was really sick. Um, we all ate the same thing. We all drank the same thing. We all did the same thing. And I was super, super sick. Um, I was sick for two whole weeks, and it was two out of the six weeks that we were going to be there. So I missed a good fourth of our, I think that's the fourth. I can't do math on the fly. If Stuart were here, he'd be able to tell me. A third, thank you, thank you very much. A third of my mission trip, because I was so sick. And during that time, I remember thinking, I honestly would be okay, God, if you took me. I was in that much physical pain and that much um, hardship like in my body that I literally would, be, would have been okay if Jesus would have taken me with that illness. Like, hardcore, right? I was in this place where I felt completely hopeless. I wasn't getting better. The medicine wasn't working that I was on. I literally was in a third world country so far away from really good medical care and my family and people I wanted to be around when I was feeling that sick. Um, and so fast forward during that time, that time frame in those two weeks, I had a lot of questions. And I was in the middle of like a very intense battle and I literally felt like I was fighting for my life because I couldn't get better. Like people talk about how COVID is extreme and sometimes people will have a fever for days. That's what I was like in a country that was a hundred plus degrees, not to mention they had the hottest, hottest ever on record, like breaking record heat during that time that I was sick and had fevers over 101 every day. Every single day for like two weeks straight, I had fevers in over 100 degree temperature. <laughs> Can you imagine how fun that would have been? No. It was miserable, <laughs> there was no reprieve. And like I told you guys, I really felt like, God, I'd be okay if you took me. I'm okay. I'd be okay with that, I'm at peace with that. And it was so interesting, because I don't really remember a lot of that time frame because it was really traumatic on my body. Um, but what I do remember, and my teammate said, I literally do not know how you walked through that, Katie. Like, and all you did was literally like you centered us more than we felt like you even centered yourself because of how strong you were. And I'm not saying that to like 
puff myself up or to say, I'm so awesome, I handled this like, oh, I'm great. The reason I was able to get through that was because my focus was on the Lord and I was able to come and enter into a place of rest and worship. And I don't know if you guys realize how powerful worship is and how powerful it can be in your lives. And that's why I'm super passionate about this message is because I have seen it transform my life in so many ways, in in so many difficulties. And I believe that the Lord wants to show that to you guys tonight too. And so I share that story with you guys because I've seen it happen in my life and it can happen for you guys too, where you feel like you're at your wit's end. You've tried everything like praying, talking to a family member, talking to a youth leader. You know, you've tried reading your Bible. It's not working. You've tried taking walks and, oh, I'm just going to walk it off. You know, I'm going to, you know, get it out of my system. You've tried everything, but you're just in this place where you're stuck. I believe worship is one of the tools that can help you guys get out of those struggles that you're facing. And so that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. So first, I want to ask you if you guys know what the term spiritual warfare means or warfare. Anybody? Anybody? Man, you guys are quiet tonight. John, what does warfare mean? Yep. That's a very good, mm -hmm. very good answer. Anybody else? What does spiritual warfare mean, Howie? That's a very good answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are two very good answers, and they are definitely spiritual warfare. I looked up the actual definition of warfare to just like break it down for you guys tonight before I get into it, but Merriam-Webster on the internet, because the internet knows everything, says <laughs> that mil- um, warfare, it, defined, it is defined as military operations between enemies. So like you'd picture military two sides against one another. Um, hostilities, war, activity undertaken by political units, which is funny, to weaken or destroy another. A struggle between two competing enemies, a conflict is what it means. Another definition defines it as, from dictionary.com, the process, again, of military struggle between two nations or groups of nations. War. An armed conflict between two massed enemies, armies, or the like. Um, This one really, really stuck out at me, so I want you guys to listen to this definition in particular. Warfare is conflict, especially when vicious and unrelenting between competitors. Did you guys catch what I just said? Warfare is especially vicious, yes, and unrelenting between competitors. So just what Howie and John had said, taking it to the spiritual side of that, I am talking about the spiritual world. I'm talking about those things that are unseen, that battle kind of thing that's talking about, like warring against spirit, fallen angels, and, you know, good angels, bad angels, warring against each other. So I'm going to pull up a passage of scripture for you guys. Um, Josh, if you could pull up the first one, Ephesians 6.12. 
where it says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So what I don't want you guys to hear tonight (laughs) is that I want to glorify the darkness, or I'm focusing on the darkness and the battles that we face. I don't want you to hear that We worship because we want the devil off of our backs. That's not why we worship, as we've learned over the last two weeks. But I'm going to talk tonight about the battles that we face, I believe, are mostly spiritual. They're not against flesh and blood. They're not against your parents. It's not against your siblings. It's not against your teachers. Most of the battles we face are a spiritual one, and they need to be fought in the spiritual realm. And so one of the ways is worship. So that's what I want to bring up and really walk you through this process with me because I believe it is going to be super, super helpful um, in moving forward. So I'm going to look at another passage of Scripture, but before I do that, I want to paint a picture of the context of where I'm coming from. So picture, picture in your mind. So I know Afghanistan is a huge thing right now, but picture our military over in Afghanistan. And there are armies against our military, and they seem like they're outnumbering us, okay? And they're outnumbering, and it seems impossible. And our military is on this side thinking, how are we going to win this battle, okay? You have that picture in our mind? Because that's a very real thing that could happen. So picture again, so in that place, there's one righteous person in our side on the military group, like in the U.S. citizens, there's one person, this Christian, and he prays to God and he says, Lord Jesus, what do we do? We are outnumbered on all sides. What do you want us to do? Should we retreat? Should we flood in and attack the enemy? What should we do? And then the Lord says, I want you to send worshipers first. I want you to praise God. What do you think about that? (laughs) Exactly. Wouldn't that be your thought? Like, we're going to die. God, are you kidding me? You want me to send who first? Worshippers? Hmm. I wonder how that's going to (laughs) go. Did you know that that actually happened in the Bible? Hmm? What? (laughs) Yeah. No, it did. So there's this king in the Bible. His name is Jehoshaphat. Everybody says it differently, but that's how I pronounce his name. Jehoshaphat. <laughs> Jehoshaphat. I'm going to call him Joe. So <laughs> I'm going to call him Joe. So good old Joe was that person. He was the one. They were in this place where he was a really good king. He was a righteous king. There were several evil kings back in Israel's day. Um, many good ones, many bad ones. It seems like there were a lot more bad ones than there were good ones, but the good ones were, they really believed in God and they trusted the Lord. And so good old Joe prays that prayer because he's up against not just one army, but three armies, okay? So he's up against three armies that are trying to attack and kill them and take them out. And he prays and he says, God, what are we supposed to do? And God tells them, I want you to send the singers and the praisers first. 
Like, that's like a real thing that happened, you guys. And so I want to tell you and show you what happened when they did this. So Josh, if you could pull up 2 Chronicles 20, starting in verse 22, it says, At that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of how many? Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, so three different armies, to start fighting among themselves. Did you guys catch that? They turned on each other because of the praisers and the singers going first into battle. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. Again, it says it multiple times. They attacked each other. They didn't attack the actual army that they were up against in this context. So fast forward to verse 27 through 30, Josh. It says, Then all of the men that were a part of Jerusalem returned to Jerusalem with Joe's army leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Joe's kingdom was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Now that's not certainly how we would think we'd go to battle, right? It's not a natural thing to be like, oh, I'm in a battle. I want to worship the Lord. Sounds like a great idea. But it is. Like, we just saw in Scripture, like, they won the battle because the praisers went first. And nobody really knows why God told him to send the praises and the worshipers first. But what I want you to see out of that passage is it actually, like, worship in that context confused the enemy like, leaving them, like, attacking each other because they were so confused. They thought it was a huge army that was against them because they were praising and worshiping God so loudly that they turned on each other. So I believe what I want you to see is that, like, worship and praise can actually be a weapon of warfare because what does it do to the enemy? As we saw, it confuses the enemy. And why do you think it confuses him? Because... When you're in a battle, what are your, what's your focus on? Probably the battle, right? Like, I'm focused on winning the battle. I'm focused on fighting. I'm focused on trying to get over this, where I think it's confusing to the devil when we say, I'm going to worship you, Lord, because then we're not focusing on what the devil wants us to focus on, but he wants, we're focusing on God. And I think that is confusing, as confusing can be for the enemy, and I think that's why worship can be so powerful is because I feel like the enemy just kind of like melts and is like, well, my hands are tied. Can't do much with that because, well, now that, that strategy didn't work. You know, I'm confused now. What do I do? So that's what I wanted to show you on that passage is like how powerful it can be to worship God in the middle of a battle. Um, when I was reading and studying for this sermon, I read my footnotes, um, like, and just to show you again, to let it sink in more, that the three separate enemies against Jehoshaphat and his army didn't know one another, so some scholars believe that 
when the groups had split up in order to arrive at their destination more quickly, when they suddenly heard what they thought to be shouting, which was actually praising, that's what caused the confusion to happen, was because they literally thought that it was, you know, like, not, they thought it was shouting, and they actually thought that there were more against them. So, worship confused the enemy. And just like they used worship and praise, we can use it, too, in the battles that we are going up against. So, it's totally unnatural, but I promise you, it works. <laughs> so, when you get into the atmosphere of worship and position, like when you position your heart in worship and focusing on God, your world does change. Like, it's almost like the things that you did care about in the moment don't even matter anymore in light of how big God is and, and who he is as our Lord and our Savior. So, um, and I believe, I just want to say this really quick before I bring up the next passage, and then we'll go into small group discussions, but there is a lot going on in our nation right now. I mean, a lot, you guys. And I know some of you might be more aware than others of the things that are going on. I mean, I can name a few of them, but there is spiritual warfare all around us, everywhere. Like, you can't get away from it, let alone big, big issues that are happening in our political system, in our healthcare systems, in our schools. Like, there are serious, serious battles, you guys. And I don't even think you guys understand even the half of the weight of some of these things that are going on in our nation. But I don't say that to scare you because I want you to know that God is so much bigger than all of those things. And I believe he really told me in my spirit as I was praying. And I've been praying actually over a lot of these issues that are going on in our nation right now. I really, really strongly felt like God told me that the way breakthrough is going to happen is through a movement of worship in this nation. Like, I believe it's going to be the start of change in our nation. Worship movements. People worshiping God. People praising him and people literally focusing on God and releasing worship into the atmosphere. Because I believe, like, I strongly believe that God had told me that. So I just want to let you guys know that Worship is powerful, and enemy literally squirms when we do it. <laughs> he hates it. He hates worship with a passion because it's off of what he wants your eyes to get off of. He wants your eyes off of the Lord. So worship, he absolutely hates. So that is why it is so powerful. I'm going to show you another scripture. Um, this is another one I kind of give you just a little bit of context for. So do you guys know who Saul is in the Old Testament? So, again, he was another king. Um, we're talking about some kings tonight because, um, just because, because. Anyway, he, uh, <laughs> that one was just for you, Caitlin. <laughs> um, so, Saul Saul was good initially, okay? I, I don't want to dog on him completely because he did do some good things for the nation of Israel. He really did. Um, he was God-ordained. God appointed him to that position of king based off of the people wanting a physical king instead of just God for their leader. 
So God had appointed Saul to this position. And Saul, as he, he was like, he was very timid when he first became king, but when he was in his position, he actually did a lot of stupid stuff. <laughs> like, Saul, I was like, why'd you do that, bro? That wasn't cool. Because he, he was super prideful, he was very arrogant, and he didn't rely on the Lord to make his ultimate decisions. Um, he, he based decisions a lot out of fear, actually. Like, when you read the story of Saul, you'll see that he actually made most of his decisions because of fear or because of what the people wanted. Like, he didn't inquire of the Lord like he should have with a lot of things. And so we come to this place in this scripture in Second, Sam- Second Chronicles where Saul has a distressing spirit on him. So, um, and I believe he has a distressing spirit in this context because he was disobedient to God. Um, so Josh, if you could open up Second Chronicles 20. We're going to pick it up where the distressing spirit came upon Saul. Um, verse 22. Yeah, the first one. Oh, no. Wait a minute. Sorry, that's the wrong one, Josh. <laughs> no, did it not print? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys, my notes were out of order. First Samuel 16. Sorry, Josh. I was like, that is definitely the one we already read. <laughs> so, there we go. So, we're picking up where the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit. So, um, the Lord sent this spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. So they know that singing and praising God must, or worship must be pretty powerful if they went to go get a musician to help send the distressing spirit away. So he will play soothing music and you will soon be well. Again, all right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. So one of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's son from Bethlehem is this talented harp player. Not only that, but he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, Send me your son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent word to Jesse asking, Please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, look at this part, you guys. Whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. So David played, and I believe he worshipped in that context. And the spirit left Saul. And it was a troubling spirit. It wasn't a pleasant one. It was one that Saul was beyond himself to get rid of. Kind of how I felt in Cambodia. Like, it was beyond me to get rid of. Saul was in that place where it was beyond himself to get rid of it. So we see again that praise broke through the darkness, and the distressing spirit left him. 
So as we learned in the first week, worship is a heart posture. I believe that when we posture our hearts in the middle of difficulty, it allows the Lord to be who he is in our lives. Because so many battles, actually not so many, all of our battles we can't face without him, you guys. Like, I am impressed by people who don't know the Lord that go through some of the things that they go through. Because I don't know how they're strong enough to do it without him. I know I couldn't do it without him. The truth is, worship is a way to focus our hearts on the Lord. That's the bottom line especially when so many things pull for our attention and so many things can get us sucked into a world of fear or torment or this, that, or the other. But if you focus on the Lord, one of the ways of that being through worship, his nature and his wisdom are going to invade your life. Like, it's just going to naturally come because your heart is positioned on Jesus. And Have you guys ever heard of the phrase, what you focus on, you're going to get more of? Has anybody heard that? So if you're focusing on the Lord, you're going to get more of. So I have an example for you guys in that. So think of like the music you guys listen to, you know. I'm not saying this because I don't want you guys to feel bad if you do listen to this kind of music, but (laughs) like, If you're constantly listening to music that's full of hatred, sexual innuendos, like anger, you're filling your atmosphere and you're filling your home with those things. Like you're filling your thoughts with those things if that's all you listen to. And so what would happen if you guys filled your lives with worship music? Can you only imagine how powerful that was? Because we all know how music has such powerful influence on our lives, right? Like, you guys, I can still remember some of those gnarly songs I listened to when I was a teenager. (laughs) Like, I could literally sing them word for word for you if I heard one of them. Like, Shakira, yeah, I could sing My Hips Don't Lie (laughs) word for word. And so, if you think about, you know, like, how powerful, how powerful is music? You can hear it and, like, Sing the lyrics however many years later. So if you're constantly filling your life with these grody songs, I feel like that's what your mind is going to be focused on. Like your mind just automatically focuses on those things because you're filling your life with them. So I want to challenge you guys tonight to like start to listen to uplifting worship music because I believe it will change your atmosphere and your attitude. What if we truly actually chose to position ourselves to look to the Lord and think on him rather than turning to other things when we're facing a hardship? It would make a world of difference. Like your situation might not change and most often, actually not most often, (laughs) sometimes situations don't change. Like, I can tell you, I worshiped the Lord in Cambodia, but my situation didn't change right away. And even when I moved back to the States, I've had health problems since that time. So your situation may not change, but I guarantee you that your attitude will. Like, it will change the way you look at things, 
the way you think about things, what you focus on, how you approach situations, because when we worship God and we look at him and push, push, put him like in the middle of difficulty, it's like, okay, God, I trust you. Even if this stuff is blowing up, I know that you're good. I know that you are worthy. I know that you are still on your throne. I know that you will not fail me. I know because these are truths that he says in his word. And what his word says, we can trust. So when we say those things, it eventually starts to connect in our minds, in our hearts, and in our lives. So I challenge you guys today. Put on worship music. Put on worship music when you're in the middle of a battle. Put on worship music when your parents are fighting and all you can do is just feel like, I don't know what to do. You know, like, I don't want to listen to them fight. Turn on worship music. Turn on worship music when you're having a meltdown and you can't finish your homework because you can't figure it out. Turn worship music on. I guarantee you it's going to change your life. So I'm going to leave, with, leave you guys with one scripture to prove my point. <laughs> Not that I need to prove myself, but because it's a good scripture. So if Josh, you want to pull up Philippians 4. It says, don't worry about anything. You guys have heard the scripture. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And here's where the worship part comes in. And thank him for all he has done. So in that, pass, in that two lines, you see prayer. You see supplication, which is like asking and inquiring of God. And praise. Thanking him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure and lovely and admirable. Think about that. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So that's the Lord's encouragement. Like, again, just saying, focus on me. So I'm going to pray, and then we should break into small groups. But you guys did really awesome tonight. Appreciate your attention and your focus. The challenge is what? When what? Yes, when you're facing difficulty, but always is also a good, good answer, John. <laughs> Fill your atmosphere with worship. I guarantee you it will change your life. All right, let's pray, guys. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you said just what you wanted to say. And Lord, I ask that when we break into small groups that you would really help us to understand this truth and understand this concept, God. We just give it to you and thank you, Father, for, for revealing more of yourself to us tonight. Have your way, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.